Welcome to Documentary First, an inside look at a first-time filmmaker's journey. I am your host, Josh Lindsay from the Movie Proposal Podcast. And with us is our first-time filmmaker, Christian Taylor. Hey, Josh. Hello, Christian, in your beautiful new hairdo. Oh, thank you very much. Yes, I did go get my hair last done. I, I guess I should say I went and got my hair did last week. <laughs> I did too, actually. I have a new hairdo. Or yes, lack of. You do. I wanted you to come today as your Halloween costume. I, I know. I uh, <laughs> For those who are listening, I normally have a goatee. I didn't tell anyone what, what I was doing. And in Halloween, I dressed up as Ted Lasso, which has got to be, I think, the best or second best costume I've ever come up with in terms of how much I look like the character. The other one that was really good was Ned Flanders, which I won first place in a Simpsons Halloween costume, which is a proud <laughs> but kind of pathetic moment in my life. Uh, Both so with a mustache, out. interestingly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I apologize about the dog. But anyway, uh, I dressed up as Ned Flanders and I had to, not dead, to lasso. I had to shave the goatee. But nobody wants to see me in a mustache longer than one day. So. <laughs> it had to go so goodbye mustache but it's all coming back gradually over time again so well what was so funny jason is that when i saw him as ted lasso first of all i freaked out because he looked so much like it but second of all i thought his mustache was fake <laughs> He's like, no that's my real mustache i just did not believe it um yeah, I, because... I did a fake mustache for uh ned flanders years ago because i didn't think i could grow a mustache Turns out I can, and uh, <laughs> you can I, grow I can. a Ted must a Ted Lasso mustache, you know. And I thought it was so genius. I showed it to Jeremy. And he's like, everybody's doing that this Halloween. I'm like, what? I'm like, they oh, are. really? It, it was a as, soon, as soon as I got posted the pictures, people responding with the, their photo, their photos of themselves. I had a, a Ted Lasso walk by, <laughs> trick or treating with their kids. Um, I, I told Christian I ran into a couple who were. Um, Roy Kent and Keeley, they're from the show. Well. The last show. They, they were very good. Um, yes, if people don't choice. know what we're talking about, we are talking about the show on Apple TV called Ted Lasso, which we are all big fans of. Um, I, you know, it comes with a warning. The language and the subject matter is quite adult. Uh, so if you're sensitive to those things, it might not be the show for you. But um, what I do love are there are so many redeeming qualities. Um, about this show relationally, and that is gen generally um, uplifting and thought-provoking. Uh, I'm not quite sure what to do about the beard episode, however, of this last season. <laughs> that was a little, the, it was, yeah, a little weird. <laughs> beard is a uh, best friend to Ted Lasso, also coach. They call him Beard because he has the beard, and he's a side character. In one episode, he got a, the whole episode was about him, and that was my least favorite episode for sure. It was just an odd. I'm not sure what they're trying to do. I don't like it when TV shows do that, where they spotlight a side character in that way. Well, they, and they just departed from their formula. And I think so much of the life and the positivity and the challenge, thought-provoking stuff does come from the Ted Lasso character. Now, what's interesting, in my opinion, and this is, uh, you know, I mean, 
I don't really, I can't believe we're talking about Ted Lasso, but I think as from a storytelling perspective, and by the way, Jason, we didn't welcome you yet. And so Jason is our button pushing guy that we can't do things without. So <laughs> thank you, Jason, for being Hi. here. <laughs> um, so, but what I do think is interesting from a story perspective is that what made Beard work or what makes him work is his mystery. Right. And so you see him always there for Ted. He is the guy that knows him the best. He is his backbone. You know, he's, he's Ted's rock. He's the one that has the soccer knowledge. He's the one that has relationship knowledge, but you know, zero about him, (laughs) except that, you know, there's something mysterious and wonderful about him and he makes you love him. And so that beard episode just gave you all this backstory that demystified who this person was. Um, And what I do like about season two is it does give you a little bit more backstory behind people. Like I love learning more about Leslie and, you know, kind of his character and what they did with the Christmas episode. Um, But yeah, it, I think it demystified beard in a way that I didn't prefer. Well, yeah, it it suffered from the same sort of issue as the Han Solo movie. Yes. Where it's like, I liked him as he was. I did not want to know all this random backstory you know, getting getting just the chunk you get and being thankful for that is is good. And when you go and you're like, well, his name's Han Solo because he was traveling alone and his name was Han. And so they called him Han Solo. And it's I just I don't care. I don't want to know that. I don't want to know why his name is Coach Beard. If <laughs> I just <laughs> beyond just that's what his name is. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, they've referred I, I read an interview um, where they referred to Beard as uh, Ted Lasso's Chewy. That's literally who he is. He's, he's his Chewbacca. And so now you've kind of given Chewbacca his own standalone for a little bit. And I don't know. It's just, it's weird. It's weird. Same same thing happened with the Grinch who stole Christmas with uh, Jim Carrey. Mm. Grinch is a fun character and we all love him as he is. And we can fill in the gaps however we want. But the moment someone says, no, here's, this is canon. This is his story. It will never line up with enough people to go, yeah, that's what I thought. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) Well, and the only thing that I did think it explained a little bit, you know, there's always this back and forth with Beard with his relationship with Jane. And you get that there's some unhealth there and you don't understand why he keeps going back to Jane um, or what the pull is with that relationship. And that episode did, you know, clarify that part of it. Um, and the one thing, the one line that stood out to me was, you know, I just like life so much better with her, you know, she makes life worth living or brings, you know, so much to life. And he is sort of a one dimensional character who probably does need that kind of, you know, excitement and enjoyment in his life. That's probably why he loves Ted, Ted Lasso. Right. Um, so it, it did give me that, but, uh, yeah, retrospectively, it certainly wasn't my favorite. It was my least favorite of all the seasons, I think. Yeah. Agreed. So how this applies to the Girl War Freedom or the Brave Dutch, I don't know, but it's always worth talking about. It's a great show. Well, I think we can take away from series. Pers- I mean, you know, this is a series. And I think it is interesting to listen to what people who are fans of series think about, you know, script writing choices. And, um, you know, particularly if you're working on some sort of doc series, how you tell the story is important. 
um, how you develop the characters is important. And I think you need to, you know, how you use the formula. I think using a formula um, to tell a story uh, is a super useful and important tool because your audience then, you're building a relationship with your audience. That's what I experience sort of when, I mean, the whole beginning was different with that episode, everything was different. And it, it was like, you go to put on a pair of comfy jeans and they don't really fit right. Or it's somebody else's jeans that are in your drawer. And that kind of didn't have a very satisfying feeling. I mean, what'd you guys think about that formula part of it? Yeah, I think that's part of why it became a little disjointed is that it, it felt so out of everything else because it was so out of everything else. Like you're just used to them going to, okay, we're going to cut away to Keely and Roy or Keely and um, you know, whatever else is going on. Right. You know, you have oh, Danny's injured and we got a storyline going on with that. This was like, just we are following beard and it is linear and we are just going with him. And so I think that's part of it is that like, you know, Star Wars, George Lucas, very famous, has the meanwhile back at the ranch, right? It's always whenever this gets boring, we cut to something else. You didn't really have that opportunity here. True. <laughs> and so it, some of the scenes kind of got a little boring. They had to keep amping it up and amping it up and amping it up. And it gets to the point where you're just so amped up that you kind of just stop believing it. And that's not well, great. Right. It was so unbelievable. Like that. I think that's the thing that's so interesting about the Ted Lasso series on the one hand, you know, it's a little bit hyperbole and then it's not completely, you know, real. Um, but at the same time, it's close enough and you can kind of buy all of that. You know, this you don't have to suspend reality that much. But in this beard episode, you had to suspend reality a ton. That, and that's that's one thing I, I was talking to Sean about this um, for people who don't know. Sean's my creative partner, both Christian and, and Josh know Sean. Um and now we live in a universe where you can jump off like a 15 story building to land in a dumpster and be fine. That's that happens in this episode. And if that had happened in any other Ted Lasso episode, it would have been like, what? No, he would have like screwed up his leg and his ankle and everything. And it's like, but now that's that's fine. And like Ted Lasso is a bit of a wacky character, right? This whole episode is just filled with a ton of really wacky characters. You know, the guy who hunts him down uh, after he randomly went home with his girlfriend and, you know, the, the red dress lady who collects pants and all this, you know, really odd things. Now you just have a universe where you have all these really odd characters and Ted yeah. isn't that odd in that universe. So there are just some things about that that just become a little disjointed and kind of ruin, not ruin the rest of the show, but make you changes how you think about the rest of the show but but i will say this even though i did not like the episode them attempting to do this um i don't know what it demonstrates it's 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 bravery it's creative creativity because if you think about it what's our favorite uh barry the show barry yeah. with what's his face bill Hader. bill Hader. that had a a you know has a it's an episodic series, follows a pattern. You get to know these characters. And then out of nowhere comes this episode <laughs> where they encounter, what do they call this? So this girl. Yeah, the, the feral child. The feral child. <laughs> the feral karate girl. <laughs> who has karate ability beyond, you know, reality, you know, in, in this world that we're used to and can 
get on top of buildings and roofs and stuff and jump to a tree where like this is impossible but it was a fantastic episode hmm. it it worked so they did they did one of the, they did like a beard episode where they they weren't following a side character they just broke from the formula did something totally bizarre and it worked x-files did the same thing x-files had an episode where they the scully Mulder would, would track down a, a particular alien or a werewolf or whatever just kind of a one and done and then next week it was the grand scheme the smoking man who's behind everything and it's the continuing story and they have this every other kind of pattern episode but then out of the blue they would do something and for the x-files to be weird you gotta be really weird but they would do something like totally like unexpected and i remember it working so i think it's good that they attempted it my opinion is it's not the attempt that was wrong it just i i think it was a mistake that they followed beard and uh, I think the points that Jason made were are correct. It just didn't happen to work for, the, for them. Here's the thing about Barry Lily. That's the name of the episode, Barry versus Lily, okay. um, with the, the Karate Kid, is it's narratively driven. It's because of... So that episode is totally out, out of left field. It takes place all in one night, and the you know time is pretty linear, and the only time that we skip ahead in time is when someone passes out, and then we come back. We're still following the main character, like we have the rest of the show, and he's extremely injured and bleeding out. And so that's why, you know, you, you then follow, hey, we're not just going to cut to him in the hospital. We have to like see, OK, how is he going to get better because of things that happen at the very beginning of the episode? So the it's narrative reasons. It made a lot of sense to go real time and actually follow the whole evening and not cut away because nothing else is happening that night with any of the other characters. They're all just not involved in this. And so to just like okay we're gonna go with a side character who's really two-dimensional or maybe only one dimensional <laughs> and just give him a whole episode for no real reason because beard has gone off on his own quite a few times and we've never followed him why did we follow him this time there wasn't a good reason for that to happen there wasn't a good reason in the overall story or even in that episode that we're just gonna see beard go off and so i think that's part of why it felt a little empty is you take that episode out and nothing really changes yeah. for the rest of the show. Not a single thing. Barry versus Lily, a lot changes in that episode. There, there's a lot of relational changes there. There's a, someone deciding to kill someone else that they weren't going to kill. There's a lot of things that change in that episode. And that's part of why that episode just really is fantastic. And they won, I think, an Emmy for it. Yeah, I think um, you make a very good point there. I mean, I think about the other characters that have had a little bit of a of a side twist. Let's take Jamie Tart, for example. You know, Jamie Tart gets fired and he goes to another club. And if we were to go with Jamie into that other club in that other world, that would be a logical jump. But nothing was happening with Beard, you know, and he has left millions of times in this series, not millions, that's an exaggeration, but, you know, a handful of times and gone off on his own, particularly usually with Jane. And it does sound like it's some artificial like, okay, we're going to make a Beard episode now because people want to know more about Beard. Um, and it just felt not natural. But I will say one thing in the defense of the episode, and then, you know, we'll come back to what you were about to say, Jason, um, what I did love about the episode was I did understand the heart of Beard in a new way. So I saw Beard's love for Jane and I had compassion for him with that 
relationship and and who you know what his what his heart feels and what his heart is thinking but then i saw him live out of his heart with the three super fans and i loved how it ended that he gave them this experience of you know going out onto the field and i mean i actually got emotional you know at that moment um and that demonstrated um, that other part of his heart. And so I did love that. Anyway, Jason, what were you going to say? So I was going to say, you're totally right about how they just kind of had to come up with an additional episode. This episode and the Christmas episode were not originally planned. They Apple called them up midway through and said, we need two more episodes. Can you make two more episodes? Really? And so they went back to, okay, what are the ideas we had that we didn't do? And the Christmas episode, which is a little out of left field and kind of its own thing. And this one were the two that they picked. So you're totally that right. It, it's kind of just, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> and the Christmas episode was so confusing because, you know, normally in a series world, you get the holiday episodes around the holidays, you know? And so <laughs> it was just so bizarre that you would throw in a random holiday episode, not even at the end, but sort of, you know, weirdly in the middle. It was strange. Yeah. That's a good point. I didn't occur, that did that did not occur to me until you mentioned it. That when I realized it was Christmas, I thought, "What did I miss? How, how are we at Christmas already?" <laughs> but when you yeah. think about it, if you're a writer, you think, "Well, why does it matter? Like, you know, who who really knows what time of year it is anyway? We can just say it's Christmas." But yeah, it is a little jarring. Well, I think it's 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 where you're not taking your audience into consideration, like. How are people going to watch, view, and experience this? And we're customarily used to holiday episodes coming around the holidays, airing on a broadcast timetable. But even inside the Ted Lasso world, you know, you have seen weather, you have seen a little bit of changes, even though it's England, you know, you've seen sunny summer days, you've seen some cold, rainy fall days. Um, and even if you went with that weather thing, um, you know, put Christmas where it seems to be weather-wise in London, you know, at least. Do you know what episode or what movie that episode was based on? The Christmas one or the beard one? The Christmas. I didn't realize it was based on anything. Oh, they totally ripped off the movie. It was yeah. a I know, I know, don't tell me. I, that's one thing that I loved in that episode is that they kept quoting it. Right. They took scenes. Right. They didn't rip off. Not the right word. It was uh, inspired. Uh, homage. <laughs> they. It's another British comedy. You know, it's, it, I'll just tell you, it's Love Actually. Uh, yeah. It's got a big star cast: Grant. Liam Neeson and uh, goodness, Grant. I, I, I don't even try to remember. It's, uh, Hugh Grant. Hugh Grant's in it. A lot of people and are in it. Julia Roberts, I think, maybe, or some character like her. Oh. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah, super good. Super the, good. The girl from Pirates of the Caribbean, whatever her name is, uh, Keira Knightley. Uh, but it, it's it's like, you know, five or six different love stories. Uh, and they, I guess they're kind of intertwined a little bit, but they bounce and for, bounce back and forth with different ones. And, and it, it just has that feel good love story it's christmas it's like they take all these things it's like an ooey gooey let's just take as much sugar as we can that everyone loves we're going to put it in here christmas and british humor 
and love stories and and we're not going to do one story. We're going to do seven love stories, you know, about a little boy or about an older couple, whatever, you know. And anyway, that that was the inspiration. And uh, I think that they did it in honor of it. Like they weren't like ripping it off or mocking it or whatever. But yeah, but I do a- like that movie. So we enjoyed the episode. Yeah, I did. And I noticed what they were doing and I love it. They've done it several times. I mean, that's kind of what that series is known for, right? Like you hear practice, you know, what you talking about practice you know you hear stuff like that woven into uh the series so i do love that practice alan iverson (laughs) i didn't know this either josh i I did not know this either um sean had to send me a a link to the (laughs) the original interview what was he's not he's is he saying practice yeah, so what's the original version? What's happening? The it is an actual interview. You know, Google it. Al Allen Iverson practice. And basically he was giving an interview about he hadn't shown up for practice or whatever. And I don't remember the details, but he could have it could have been that he missed practice, he didn't come to practice, that he came to the game, he had this great game. And then later, all they were asking him about was why he missed practice. And so he was like, practice? What are we talking about practice? You know, and so now that has become a quotable quote all about, you know, uh, practice. So, yeah. Anyway, look it up. I don't know exactly what happened, what the details were around it. But the the interview, of course, is stuck in my head. He said it 20 times in that press conference. <laughs> <laughs> yes. 20 times? 20 yeah, times. It's a, hilarious, it's a hilarious press conference. He was mad and he was kind of going off on people and um, it has stood the test of time. That's for sure. Um, but one thing I was thinking about that does relate actually to what we're talking about or supposed to be talking about with the Brave Dutch is that one of the things I'm looking at is the Brave Dutch story takes place over the course of a year, really. Um, or almost a year. So when John Lau lands in um, Holland, it's April 29, 1944 in the Netherlands. So it's, you know, late winter, you know, spring is on its way. And for five months, he lives with one family in Appledorn. And so that kind of gets you through to the summer. And then there's another part where he's living in the woods outside through the fall uh, goes through Christmas, his some of his travels are through Christmas, and ultimately he gets reunited on February 16th, I think, in 1945. So it's almost a 12-month journey, and I really do want to film in the time, like the scenes, you know, in the weather that was happening at the time. For me, um, that's kind of important, that chronological linear thing be reflected kind of in the stories that we're telling. Sorry, rookie mistake. I was on mute. Um, <laughs> where, where are you with uh, the brave Dutch right now? What, what, what news and updates can you tell us? What deals have you made? What, what are you filming? Uh, Not a lot to report, although I did have an hour-long conversation with my good friend and editor, Bill Ebel. Uh, Bill has been editing, you know, several other movies recently. The last time we had a catch-up call was back in August. Uh, And Bill has yet to dive into this story. And I'm super excited for him to get his head inside of it because I love the way that Bill thinks and I love how we work together as a team. So I can think of something and, you know, it's just always brainstorming going on between us. And usually um, 
you know, what we come out with together is better than what one of us had come to the table with before. And yet, you know, as of yet, we have not been able to have those discussions. So uh, he's going to start diving into that. I'll be curious to see what he thinks. We have a meeting this week with our line producer, Kate Hurley and um, Michelle Coupe. Um, and we're going to talk about kind of what's coming next on my list of to do things is I need to start making a character map and explaining like who all the different characters are put down who I'm planning on interviewing and then put down the locations that we have secured for um, for shooting in. I'm working with the um, Department of Defense of the Netherlands to try to put together a proposal, a partnership proposal. So I'm working on that. And then two of the people that we're working with, Tulai Van Manen and Captain Michael Tattersall, um, they are working with their superiors to get permission to officially work on our project during their work hours. Uh, and then next week on November 10th, we uh, have an in-person meeting with Netflix to pitch our project. So um, that they're gonna pitch the Girl Who Wore Freedom for sale and they're gonna pitch uh, the Brave Dutch for green lighting. So uh, I'm on, you know, wearing out my knees, praying for that little meeting. And, you know, I don't anticipate that we're going to be having a response of, oh, here's your $5 million. Um, I think it's going to be an ongoing conversation where, um, you know, they hear the pitch, maybe the distributor is going to have to send them some more information down the line. And it's a continued conversation that hopefully eventually they will decide to green light the project. So um, there's nothing really firm right now. And I did realize the other day, I do need to pace myself in terms of working on this because I'm not getting paid. Um, and it's been over three years since I have been paid uh, for any of this work. And I do need to start generating some income from myself some way. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously you're deep into the brave Dutch, but a pattern for a lot of filmmakers is they, they do something for money and then they go do a passion project. And then they do something for money and they do a passion project. I mean, you just keep doing passion projects. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, you're, you're an, a, a, a voice, uh, voice talent. I mean, like you're, you can make money doing that. Like, are you, is that? Yeah. That, that was happening until this major renovation of our house. Many people, if you are watching can see, I am not in my house. I had to go and rent a little office space so that I could, uh, have, you know, some peace and quiet and stability in my day. Uh, this, you know, small little renovation project has taken on enormous proportions, and I'm not even sure it's going to be done by the end of December. So that has put a big kink in my voiceover business because I'm not able to really audition or record anything from home. So that means zero income generation for me. And uh, it that's a certain challenge. Um, I do have a major voiceover job that I have to record tomorrow. So I'm gonna have to go and rent somebody's studio and try to get that done. Um, so so yeah, it's kind of a, a challenging situation right now for my business income. Um, donations have stopped coming in and we have yet to see any income from the girl who wore freedom. Now, one thing that did dawn on me this week is that we signed our contract in September of 2020. So we're now at 13 months 
And our contract, I went back and looked at it yesterday, our contract says that we are supposed to get quarterly reports of what's been going on um, with the film. Now, you know, in September, we really would have only had a report for the fourth quarter. And, you know, uh, they get 90 days after the end of the quarter with which to turn stuff in. But the fact is, we've never seen any sort of report. Did you say December 2020? Yeah. I, I mean, I you sep said September. September 2020 is when the effective date, September 30, of oh. our contract began. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. So, yeah. So, 13 months. Got it. Okay. So, where's your executive producer? Why isn't he like taking the bullwhip? Where, um, that would somebody? be me. No, no, no. no. <laughs> the, um, David Patterson? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> where's David? Well, David, of course, does have his own life and his own jobs and isn't on our payroll. And so, um, but I, he was my first call, which was like, um, David, we need to look at this contract and figure out what we're supposed to be doing here. So, uh, so yeah, we are supposed to be talking after this little podcast is done. Oh. Yeah. So that will happen. And we will need to figure out that. One thing I did discover is I don't think that we will have any... Um, you know, any money coming out for at least 18 months after it went on sale, which would have been the end of May 2021. So I've still got a long time before why, I start. Why 18 months? I don't know. That's what's in the contract. I guess that's just how long it takes things to settle. Uh, you know, they they will have spent money. They will have outlaid money for, you know, distribution expenses and stuff like that. And then they will have had receivables for things that have been purchased or deals that have been done. Um, so so I, I don't really know why it's 18 months, but that's what it is. Um, the other thing I did learn is they are saying that they're looking to get it onto Fandango now and Voodoo, um, two companies which have merged, but I guess they still kind of will have their own platforms that you put them on. I'm not sure From uh, how that- From the perspective, Fandango is now Voodoo. Yes. Right, from the consumer perspective, but from the back end, I think there's still two different platforms. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Next time I have a plumber come over, I'm going to tell him, I'm going to pay you in 18 months. That's just the way it is. It's going to take <laughs> 18 months to get the financing together. So you just have, you're going to have to wait. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing I did. I, I Next contract I want to sign, I want to look at that paragraph because you know, I do know one distributor who went to, you know, these guys and said, no, we're not doing a five-year contract with you. We'll give you 18 months, you know, total. Uh, so that means that, you know, he certainly had to have gotten paid before his 18 months was up. So yeah, I, I wish that I would have looked at that more closely. Live and learn. It's your first project. How would you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's basically uh, that's basically what's happening there. We do have the L'Oreal event coming up next week for the girl who wore freedom, and it was supposed to be a you know in person event that was going to celebrate you know coming back again. And now it was a, then it was a hybrid event, and now it's totally virtual. And um, we're supposed to have Flo Plana and David Chapman 
on that in the Q&A. So people actually are going to be watching the Girl Who Wore Freedom uh, all together, and then there'll be a Q&A afterward. And it is going to be L'Oreal New York and L'Oreal Paris kind of coming together for this Veterans Day event. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that. And I'm sad it wasn't in person, but, um, you know, I'm thankful that they're trying to do something. So that's next week. Hopefully on our next podcast, we can talk, update with uh, your quarterly reports and where are they? And you can read it to us, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe we'll need to do that. Yeah. I did Paragraph to- 67. <laughs> <laughs> So fun. Uh, I did have to call Ben Fython. You know, uh, he's a took over Hunter's place as a business operations guy. But I also called Hunter today um, to get him to just talk through that with me. And the other thing we're still processing, I want to give another big shout out to James Huberger, a podcast listener, a Patreon supporter. You know, way back when I asked about, you know, what should we do with this podcast? Do we rename it? Uh, do we name it documentary second? He's like, oh, that's a horrible idea. (laughs) Please don't do that. And then he wrote me a long letter about sort of his thoughts about how we could rebrand. And I thought they were genius. I haven't yet responded to him. Sorry about that, James. But I have been pondering your email and talking with our team about it. Um, Because right now, I do think I need to restructure and I probably need to set up some sort of parent organization. Because right now, I personally own Taylor Productions, Normandy Project, Living Stories. And if we're, you know, opening the Brave Dutch, that's going to be yet another one. And James pointed out to me that Documentary First has sort of been our flagship. It's been the one constant. And it is you know, it's really the only thing generating any new content every week. And so his suggestion was, you know, your parent company really should be built around the documentary first idea. Not that this is your first documentary, but now we're looking at it a different way in that story comes first. And so in my work life, it is the documentary kind of coming before everything else. You know, my voiceover business is kind of still going on, but I'm starting to see that, you know, fall away, particularly if we get hired or if we get funded from somebody to do the Brave Dutch, I'm not going to have time to do voiceover. I'm, I'm going to get paid to actually make a movie. Um, so uh, so that documentary part of it um, really is going to be my first priority. So we've talked about that being the parent company and figuring out, you know, putting everything else kind of underneath it. But I really do need to A, vet that idea with others, B, puts, you know, talk with somebody that has better business acumen than I do to figure out how to do that. Uh, So those are kind of the other conversations that are going on behind the scenes. What do you guys think about that? I have I have one little tidbit that I think is kind of interesting. Hearing you talking about balancing voice acting and directing reminded me of um, Christian. Have you seen Arrested Development? I know Josh has. I've seen a little bit of it. Yes, I oh, mean not for okay. shame. For yeah, shame, you got it. You got it. Um, so Ron Howard is the narrator of Arrested Development, and he didn't want to be. <laughs> he just kind of did it for the pilot because he was involved in the production and all that sort of stuff. And he just did it for the pilot. And then they're like, um, so your voice is great for this. It's like the perfect tone. So you're going to do it. 
And so he's <laughs> off, you know, directing something and he's in Poland and it's super cold. And, and they're like, okay, so we rented a shack and we have a microphone. Go do the voiceover. <laughs> he's like shivering between takes and all this sort of stuff. So it's possible. <laughs> it just yeah. sounds extremely painful. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do kind of think that it will continue on simply because I really do love it. I love voiceover work and I am good at it, I think. So it's, it's a way that I know I can have some sort of income. Um, sorry about that. I'm dinging. <laughs> um, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Part of being a voiceover though, in my level is that you have to market your business. So if you're not out there actively marketing your business, meaning if you're not auditioning, if you're not updating your demos, if you're not networking with people who sell job, who have jobs to be had, uh, you're really not going to get a lot of work. So that's Find money. Yeah. Bye. So what's, yeah, Josh. Bye. So I was going to say, what's going on with you guys? Uh, Josh, we talked last week about you doing the podcast with Chris White, I think, but we didn't hear a lot about how it went, what you learned. Uh, why don't you fill us in a little bit about that? Tell us about the podcast you're on in case we have new listeners. Well, Christian, the only way to find out how that podcast went is to go listen to that podcast. <laughs> it's the movie proposal episode with guest Chris White, which if you've been listening to Documentary First this whole time, you've already heard from him. He was a guest a while back. He's the writer and director of, actually, as of today, November 2nd, his film Electric Jesus is released today on video on demand, so you can rent it on Prime or Vudu or, or Roku or wherever you rent your movies. But it's a 1980s Christian up-and-coming rock band, comedy slash drama. The two big names in it are Judd Nelson and you know from Breakfast Club and Brian Baumgartner, who's Kevin from The Office. And then the rest of them are, as far as I can tell, all newcomers and, and it's a great cast. Definitely worth checking out. But we got to interview him again, the director, Chris White, to hear about what is directing, his experience in making that film, his, his history leading up to it. And he, he's just basically an indie director and he really likes it. He, he likes the lower budget, more freedom, write your own stuff type model. I don't know how you, I mean, apparently he knows how to make a living. He does it with his wife. They work together. Um, maybe they have no kids. I don't know if they have kids or not. Kids Actually, she was, money. she was pregnant when I met them for the first time in February of 2021. So uh, getting close. Oh, well, that's going to ruin everything for him. So I hope they enjoyed their career. It's over now. He's going to go back to teaching. <laughs> I'm just making that up. Yeah. Uh, what's the one main thing? Give us a little bit of a teaser. Uh, what's the one main thing you learned from Chris during that podcast? Well, oh, Chris. Here, Jason, I, I got one. Go for it. <laughs> I think the most interesting thing was him talking about what directing really is. Okay. And, and Josh dug that question out of him. Um, and it was just like, you know, a lot of people think it's, you know, what does it mean? You know, what, when you tell the actors what to do, right. But he really dug into what it means to actually be a director, which is that you're responsible for the tone of the movie and keeping that consistent and also answering a million questions a day. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that was that was maybe one of the most enlightening and interesting parts of it to me. That's yeah, awesome. and especially, I, you know, now that I 
I'll agree that that was probably my most favorite part as well. But but when you think of a movie like Electric Jesus, it's part drama, it's part comedy. You hire a comedic actor to star in it, who's wearing an obvious toupee, and he, he looks like a clown basically. <laughs> but that's not the tone, right? It's not comedy first, and so he has to have a vision, and I think tone is a good word for it in mind and keep everyone on that that same page because otherwise he can make something and say this is not what i meant to, <laughs> to make at all because everyone thought something else and they just kind of went their way or whatever so but anyway i thought it was a great episode we got a lot of a lot of great feedback um if you don't know about the movie proposal we talked about movies with sky jitani from the holy post and jason and i and we primarily talk about old movies and new movies Things we love, things we didn't, and sometimes we have guests. So that's yeah. it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, if you haven't seen them, listen or seen the movie proposal, do you guys do video or is it only audio? Only audio. Ah, so if you haven't heard it, go check it out anywhere you listen to your podcast. Uh, and so, Jason, yeah? We do have video from older episodes. Like ah. really old, probably like yeah. episode 50 and before. Yeah, yeah. I think. And now we're up to like 116. So before we lost our office. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you, Josh. Okay, Jason, what's happening with you? Um, so I have some kind of cool things. Um, the Jax and Tron uh, Instagram account that we've been running with uh, funny animations every single day, which I have to post a new one in five minutes. So uh, <laughs> um, we, uh, we hit 5,000 followers uh, on oh. Halloween, which is two days ago for us. And we're already almost up to 5,400. So we are just seeing massive growth, awesome response. And we are just incredibly thankful. Like every time I talk to Sean, we're pretty much going, did you see how high it is? Like, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So, Great um, proof of concept for you there. Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll see what actually ends up happening with it. Um, so we're really excited about um, potentially hitting 10,000 followers before the end of the year. If we keep on track for that, we should... Uh, at, the, at our current growth rate, we should uh, we should hit that um, pretty pretty quickly. So yeah, we're we're pretty excited about that. Um, and another really kind of cool thing is uh, we had a Netflix showrunner who was willing to read one of our scripts and give us detailed notes, and pretty much tore the script apart and told us a really cool thing. So we were talking about characters earlier. Um, this totally applies to the beard episode. Uh, she told us that I love your script. Why does the main character show up uh, like 15 pages in? We were like, the main character is like on page one. And she's like, no, your main character is over here. And you just haven't realized that yet. We we're like, oh my gosh, you're right. <laughs> That's who the show's about. <laughs> and wow. so we're like, we have to completely tear it down to the studs and start over. But we have this incredibly interesting character and incredibly interesting world we just have to now rejigger it to actually focus on that person. And so it was, it was really, really enlightening um, because of where the show started. We were just thinking, Oh, we're staying here. We're staying with these characters. And then we just introduced this side character halfway through and they were so much more interesting and so much, and they kind of took over the show from that point and we didn't even realize it. Mm. And so I, I think that to me, the encouragement with that is, Always be willing to listen to anyone who will give you notes <laughs> and uh, be willing to tear things down to build them back up because they'll always be better. 
And so we haven't started rewriting that yet, but we're excited to. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you know, that kind of is what happened with me. I'll never forget giving it to, um, you know, Nicole, one of our consulting producers, and she just basically ripped the heart out of the middle and like, you got to put this somewhere else. And I was like, wait a minute, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> we did yeah. it. And she was right. She was yeah. right. And it's, it's the toughest notes are usually the best ones. And, and the challenge of, of doing it, it's, 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 it's getting punched to the ground and getting back up is, is what will, will make you yeah. make incredible things. So, well, and I remember at the very end of, of post-production where we, um, Helen Patton suggested we send it to this really high-end editor in LA. And basically he gave us one note, which is take off the entire beginning and put it at the end. And so Bill and I were like, what? <laughs> like that, <laughs> what? Like it took us forever to get our mind around that. And then we finally did it and we we're like, oh, he was right. So yeah, you have to be, you have to be willing to do the hard stuff for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. It's nice to hear, but you know, your journey and uh, I really love spending this time with you. I enjoyed our unexpected conversation of Ted Lasso. I hope if you're listening, you've gotten something from that. Um, but anyway, if you have any ideas about uh, anything that we talk about here, we would love for you to communicate with us either uh, on the Girly War Freedom Facebook page, Twitter, Instagram. You can email me, Christian, at normandystories.com. And, you know, please review us on uh, iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, and if you care to make a donation, we certainly can use it. So uh, that's about it for me today, Josh. All right. Well, hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to Documentary First, where we believe everyone has a story to tell and you can be the one to tell it. Yes, you can. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Documentary First. We really appreciate your partnership with us. We can't do any of this without you. So thank you so much for listening, for donating, and for following along on our journey. If you are able to make a donation this week, we would really appreciate it. We are supported by donors who give us $100 or less, so anything helps. Also, if you're able to share the news about the girl who wore freedom with your friends and family, please do that on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or email. And sign up for our newsletter at thegirlwhowarefreedom.com. Please go to thegirlwhowarefreedom.com slash donate to make a donation today.